just to think that there are, there are churches that don't want this. I want, I want all of it I can get. I want all of it, all of it the Lord wants to pour on us. We'll take it all, amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much for leading us into the presence of the Lord, amen. Woo, hallelujah. Someone was here earlier and uh, some, some folks were here earlier and wanted to know how long the service lasted and uh, what, time, what time we got, usually got out. And I said, well, I, I put, I laid it on myself as the first. I said, well, that depends on how long the preacher preaches. And I said, and that depends on uh, the Holy Spirit and what the Holy, how the Holy Spirit moves. I said, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, we're not on a, on a time clock or a time schedule. There aren't any clocks in heaven. We don't have any here in this church either. Amen. That was the one thing that I said I wouldn't put in the church was a clock. Because, uh, you know, about, about a little before 12, everybody get turning around looking at the back wall, see what time it is. Now they can just look at their watch. But I'm... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not planning on preaching long, okay? But I just want to teach you s- some things this morning that the Lord is, has been dealing with me about this past week. And uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we are, in Gos- we are in the Gospel of Mark. We are preaching and teaching on the life of Jesus on Sunday mornings in the Gospel of Mark. His life portrayed by Mark, and uh, as the servant, Jesus, Mark portrays Jesus as the servant of God, and um, we've been studying a lot of great things that the Lord has done, and miracles, and healings, and things of that nature that Jesus has performed. Last Sunday morning, as I mentioned to you, we, were, we, were, we, we, we got into some area now where the Lord was teaching some things. And uh, so we dealt a little bit with that, as you remember, last week on, uh, on how that they found fault with the Lord. And they were, um, they were critical of Jesus, that is, the religious leaders and the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the church of that day, actually, because he broke their traditions. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't follow after the traditions that they had, their ceremonial worship, their, the ceremonies that they went through. And he, he had come to, to, to fulfill the law, of course, and to do away with the ceremonial law and all that, but there was a lot of stuff that the, that the Pharisees and the rabbis had added to the law that, that was not the Word of God at all. It was just stuff that they'd made up. And there's a lot of that still going on in religion today, in churches in religion today, where they go to church and they go through a ceremony and it's just a bunch of made-up stuff that's not not worship. It's not worship that the Bible talks about. And so I want to read to you this morning from that seventh chapter of Mark's Gospel and uh, beginning with verse number five. And I want to talk to you this morning. Uh, I have, I've got a lot of stuff wrote down that the Holy Spirit's just poured into me this week and laid upon my heart, and I doubt that we'll get to it all, but I want to try to touch on the high spots. But uh, I want to talk to you about the cure for empty worship. 
the cure for empty worship. And, and you know what? I don't, I, I, I don't feel like there's empty worship here this morning. And we never want Abundant Life Church to be a church where our worship is ritualistic or where it's, as Jesus is saying here, in vain or empty. We never want that. We want true worship. And, and the, the message came forth, the prophecy through Sister Sharon this morning, and the Lord spoke uh, through her a word that I have in my message this morning, that He's looking for those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not vain, not empty, not man-made worship, none of that, but, 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 but biblical, spiritual, scriptural, sincere worship to our Heavenly Father. That's what we're here today to do. I'm not here to see you. You're not here to see me. Nobody's here to be promoted, but we're here to promote one, one person, and that's one person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're here to worship Him. But notice what he says in verse number 5. The Bible says this, Mark 7, 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, Why walk not the disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said to them, Here's the words of Jesus to them. Here was their answer to them. When I read how Jesus addressed these folks, I feel like I'm pretty mild. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? That word hypocrite in the Greek was uh, a word that was used for a play actor. It was someone that was on stage acting a part that was not themselves. And those, those, actors, um, those actors had these masks that they would make and they put the mask over their face and they were pretending to be someone or some, someone else that they were not. And that's where the word hypocrite came from. And so Jesus was telling these religious folks, remember the religious people, but Jesus said, you're, you're, you're a bunch of pretenders. You're a bunch of play actors. Thank God we don't have those here. Amen? I know, you know, you know the old thing, the old saying, and people say all the time, well, you know, it's an excuse, people. Yeah, I'd go to church, if, but there's just too many hypocrites. If it wasn't for all the hypocrites in church, I'd go to church. Well, I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite and sit right next to them and worship God than to spend eternity in hell with them. Are you listening to me? That's not my message. That's just free. That's just bonus, okay? Amen. But he said, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips. Listen to it. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said to them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. But I want you to notice what he said there in verse number 6. He said, This people honors me with their lips. Quoting from Isaiah 29, 13, He said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
Jesus said basically the same thing in Matthew's gospel that was recorded uh, of Matthew. And he says it this way. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, This people draws nigh to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Father, we thank you today for your presence here this morning. We thank you for moving and working and operating by the Holy Spirit in this house today. Help me to speak your word, to minister your word to this this people of yours, to your church, Lord. Feed us your good word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we know the background of this uh, text, Jesus, of course, is met by the scribes and Pharisees who were a strict sect of Jews that were very religious at that time. And uh, these people had an accusation. The religious leaders, of course, were the ones that caused Jesus the most trouble. And uh, they said to the Lord, Why do you transgress the tradition of your elders? It wasn't the command of God that he was transgressing, but their, their traditions that they had made up and their ceremonial washings and things. I talked to you last week about the ceremonial washing of their hands. It wasn't just that they dipped their hands in some water. I mean, they went through a big ordeal to wash from the tips of their fingers to their elbows because they believed that a demon spirit would get on your fingers or on your hands at night. And if you would eat food without washing your hands and going through this ritual, that you would ingest this demon and literally become demon-possessed. That's what they were trying to point out of the, for the, of the disciples. They haven't went through our ritual. They haven't done what we have commanded to be done. So they, they, they found fault with the Lord. We talked about that last week. But here in this, in this sixth and seventh verse, Jesus uh, it's given, he gives the response to what they had said. And he said to them that you honor me with your lips. And Isaiah prophesied about this kind of people. He said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And then he said, he said in vain. And here's the, here's the, the, the thought that, that we want to focus on. He said, in vain they do worship me. Now, that's quite an indictment. Would you say so? That he's talking about these are, these are the most religious group of people at that day. This is the church of that day. Are you following me? And Jesus told them, Jesus told them that all the worship and all, the, all that they went through to worship God absolutely was nothing. It was in vain. He said it was lip service, but it really meant nothing at all. They were just kind of going through the motions of worship, but it was vain worship. It was more like, you know, Paul talked about a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And I think, you know, Paul said that would be the case in the last days. And I, I believe that we see that very thing taking place and going on in the day and the hour which we're living in today. That, that, that there's a lot of people that have 
have a form of worship and there's a lot of churches. And I'm not here to knock any church at all, but I am here to knock vain, empty worship. Are you with me? And, and, but there's a lot that just go through a form and go through a motion. But it's, it's just what Jesus considered vain worship. It's empty worship. There's so much that is vain that's going on in worship services, in churches, and even in Pentecostal churches today. Can I get a, just a little brief amen? And I want you to listen to me and pay attention. But if you hear something good, you can amen me. That will be okay. Um, but, 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 but there is a lot of vain worship. There was, a, there was some prophecies given uh, during the Azusa Street Revival, toward the end of that revival. And we as Pentecostals are familiar with Azusa Street and the move of God, the rebirth of Pentecostalism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place at the turn of the century, uh, of the 20th century in Topeka, Kansas, and then again was poured out at Azusa Street on Bonnie Bray Avenue and then moved to Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. And that revival at Azusa Street went on from um, around 2000, uh, 2000, 1906, around 1906 to 1910. And there were several prophecies that were made uh, in that revival. And, uh, but, but toward the end, and I'm not sure who, who gave these prophecies that I'm going to share with you this morning, but toward the end of that revival, there was a, there was a prophecy given that predicted the apostasy of the Pentecostal movement. Now, here was the beginning of a, a fresh moving. I believe that Azusa Street was the outpouring of the latter rain upon the earth, upon the people. Uh, there was, you know, the outpouring at Pentecost, um, that was that the former rain. There was the latter rain, I believe, that God poured out in the turn of the 20th century. That's a little over a hundred years ago when that happened. But here in the day, you know, here we are a little over a hundred years removed from, from, from that mighty move of God at Azusa Street, and we see an apostasy creeping into the modern day church. And, and when I'm talking to the church, I'm I'm talking to us spirit-filled Pentecostal folks, all right? I'm not talking to de the denominational church today. I'm talking to us. I'm, I'm talking about, about us here at Abundant Life and every full gospel Pentecostal church. But there was prophecies that went forth that talked about and predicted the apostasy of the Pentecostal movement. And I tell you what, I've been in this, you know, uh, since the, well, as a little child, but, but actively, you know, got saved in 73, but I've noticed a, a sliding away. I've noticed a coldness and a lukewarmness among Pentecostals that, uh, that, that, that's more prominent today. I know Mark and Denise have been in Pentecost a long time. You can tell the difference. That's why we want to keep that fresh, that spirit of worship and the presence of the Holy Ghost fresh here at Abundant Life Family Church. We never want to go back and we 
never want to get lukewarm. We, want, we never want to lose our first love or leave our first love, all right? We are, we are Pentecostal folks, and I'm not talking about a denomination, but I'm talking about an experience with God. We are full gospel. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Lord. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in talking in tongues, amen, and everything that goes along with it. And we don't ever want to let that cool off. We believe in, in worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Can I get an amen? But the prophecy's predicting the apostasy. And there were three main things that were pointed out in the prophecy. And the first one said that there would be an over, and I'm not going to preach on all these, but it said that there would be in the last days that there would be an overemphasis on power instead of righteousness. Woo! I said I wasn't going to preach on these, but this, this would make a good sermon outline. That there would be an overemphasis of on power instead of righteousness. And we are all about the power of God, but it means nothing if we don't live the life. There's got to be purity in the temple before there's power in the temple in the house of the Lord. But then the next one was there would be an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit instead of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we see that a lot today too. And I'm all about the gifts and preaching. And I do teach and preach on the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. But not in place of the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus has to be the Lord of our life. And those gifts can only function and operate properly when they're operated in love. Are you with me? That's the most excellent way. But here's the one I want to focus in on today. Here was, here was the third point of this prophecy. That in the last days that there would be an overemphasis on praise to a God that they would no longer pray to. That there would be an overemphasis on praise to a God that they would no longer pray to. I, I mentioned this in our prayer service here a couple of weeks ago and, and we were asking the question, is that possible for that to happen? And I believe that it is because I believe Jesus answers that right here that there can be worship that is lip service only, worship that is just, um, you know, that, that is not from the heart but just an outward show and that is vain. What Jesus said, worship that is vain. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a big difference today in giving lip service to God and true worship to God from the heart. And we have got to avoid vain worship at all costs. We've got to guard ourselves to make sure that we're not, that, that we don't ever get into that mold of just going through the motion and having a form of godliness. We don't want our church services to be stereotyped and always predictable and always knowing everything that's going to happen. I'm like, I'm like the one preacher prayed, God, do something today that's not in the bulletin. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way in our church and in our lives. Amen? That's when God can do something for us. We've got to understand there is, there's a lot of worship today. And there is, listen to me, there is an 
emphasis today, a big emphasis on worship within the church today, within the church world. Elaborate stages with elaborate light shows and fog machines and attempts to make the stage appear like it's a rock and roll show or some kind of a, some, oh, I didn't intend to get here. But, but, but to make that stage look, look kind of like you were at some kind of a, a concert event and, the, and, the, and the, the, the singers and the musicians on that stage are there more uh, to entertain people than they are to lead people in worship. And so there is a big emphasis on worship today. There is a big emphasis on, 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 on worship music and singing. And, and I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna tell you what, I, I, I've got to put a plug in for our worship leader and our worship team today. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's because they're not up here and I know them and I know Sister Leona and I know these people and they're not up here to entertain you. They're not up here to put on a show for you but what they're up here to do is to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and to sing the glory of God down and to bring the presence of God into this place. And we don't need a light show to do that. I still don't understand why people come to church to the place where Jesus is supposed to be the light of the world and they shut everything down and everybody's sitting in the dark. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah! I don't get it. But anyway, there's a, there is a big emphasis on worship today. But worship Worship, true worship, listen to me, true worship is for God and it's about God and it's to God. That's what worship is all about. That word worship means to be, uh, to be worthy of something. It is having worth. And there's only one today that is worthy to be praised and adored and, 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 and thanked, and that is God Almighty and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come together not to just give lip service, but we come together to worship Him because it's all about God. The songs that we sing are, are not vain. It's not empty. These songs are not about us, but these songs are about Him and what He has done for us. The songs that we sing lift up Jesus and their worships, their worship songs to lift Him up. Oh yeah, you know, there's been, there's been so much controversy on this style of music and that style of music and we've been down that road and I, I had a guy one family left the church a couple of years ago and they said our church this church was founded on southern gospel music and I said no it was not this church is founded on the Lord Jesus Christ it's not founded on any type it's not founded on any genre of music it's founded on the Lord Jesus Christ and and when we come here to worship Him, we worship Him and lift Him up in spirit and in truth. Our worship cannot be vain. Our worship cannot be empty. Our worship cannot be lifeless. But we are here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He's worthy of all of our praise. Woo! 
I said I was going to teach, and here we young went to tent revival mode. Glory be to God forever. Your worship is important. Because your worship, I know y'all going to love this. Worship is a thermometer of your heart. Your worship is a thermometer of your heart and measures your spiritual condition. It also can be a thermostat to regulate your spiritual condition as well. Amen? Some Pentecostals need to jack the thermostat up just a little bit. Amen? And get in there and worship the Lord a little more. Now, we've had some awesome worship this morning. I love the spontaneity, the spontaneity, is that the right word? Of worship when the music is playing and everybody just begins to praise and to worship and, to, and to, you know, some are, 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 are hollering and praising. and It's come, you know what I know? That's coming then from the innermost being, from your heart. And so that thermometer, worship, measures our spiritual condition. Now, how many of you all are familiar with A.W. Tozer? I've got several of his books, and, and I've read, and read after him, and a great man of God from the past. But A.W. Tozer made a statement, and he said, Any man or woman that is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. It will get better, believe me. But I have to agree with that. Any, any person that says they are, a, they are born again and they love Jesus, but they get bored with worship, or they get turned off with worship, or they say, I wish we wouldn't sing so much, or I wish, you know, we'd hurry up. Let's hurry up. We've got, you know, out west they've got a restaurant called In-N-Out Burger. And now it's that way with church. We've got, we've got in and out church. Let's get in. Let's hurry up. Let's check this off of our list for the week and get out. Let's, we'll get you in and out. That's even, the, that's even their advertisement. We'll get you in and out in an hour. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit, when He is there, it may be just an hour of worshiping Jesus before there's anything else that takes place. Is there anything wrong with that? Nothing whatsoever. Because let me tell you something. When you read Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, you will find out that when we are before the throne of God, there's a whole lot of worship going on. And if you and I are not, if we're not in the place today where we love worship, heaven's going to be a miserable place for us because that is going to be a place of worship. Oh, God wants to do so much for you. He wants to do so much for this church. He's got some mighty big plans for your life but what he's wanting you and I to do and this church to do is to worship him in spirit and in truth come on amen Woo. true worship is sacred God takes it seriously listen to me saints God takes it seriously when his worship is corrupted we must never corrupt worship because it is sacred. It is holy before God. When churches, when churches uh, get up on, and, and, and singers and musicians get up on a Sunday morning and some churches this happens and has happened and they are doing secular 
worldly music on Sunday morning. They have violated the sacredness of the true worship of God. God's not within a million miles of that. It's vain worship. It's empty. That word vain, that word vain that Jesus used mean that it's, means that it's empty worship. Amen? It's, it's useless worship. It, it's, 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 uh, it's of no value. And that can worship be of no value if it's not done properly and if it's not done from the heart and if it's not done the way the Bible says to do it. Yes, it's of no value. It's emptiness. It's worthlessness. It's more than just giving lip service. He doesn't want just your lip service. He wants you to praise Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being, with everything that is within you. Bless His holy name. Amen. Amen. God doesn't need our worship. That isn't the thing. It isn't the thing that, that He has to have our worship. Because I'm going to tell you something today, that God's going to be God whether we worship Him or whether we don't. But I'm going to tell you something else. It is our privilege that we have to come together and worship Him. Thank God. I was thanking the Lord, Brother Terry, on the way to church this morning. Lord, I'm, I'm glad to know, I'm so thankful that I live in a, a country that I can drive down this road to Abundant Life Family Church and the Gestapo won't be standing there with machine guns telling me I can't come in this house of worship. Oh, come on, we better, we better thank God that we've got that today. There are people today in high places that want to take that free them away from us but the church better rise up and quit playing church and quit worshiping vain worship and praying vain prayers and get busy and worship I thank God for the privilege that I have to worship my creator hallelujah Woo! I don't have to go underground. I don't have to go undercover. I can put it, I can put it on Facebook. I can put it on social media. I can talk about Jesus everywhere I go because I live in a nation that will allow me to worship God. Woo! I, I got I gotta I gotta get still here. What a privilege it is. Yes, it is. But God doesn't need our worship, but God does desire our worship. Yes, he, does. he seeks. Yes, now listen to me. Jesus ministered to a woman of Samaria. Remember that? Yes. Yes. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Yes, sir. And Jesus ministered to her there and a little bit about, talk to her a little bit about worship. And, uh, you know, she said, well, you know, we say that we are to worship in Mount Gerizim. You say that we're to worship in Jerusalem, that that's where we're supposed to worship. So who's right and who's wrong? And Jesus told her, he said, let me tell you something. The hour is coming and now is 
where it won't make any difference if you're at Jerusalem or if you're on Mount Gerizim or if you're in Farmington or if you're in St. Louis. Hallelujah. If you're in Memphis or wherever you might be, you may be in Uganda, you may be in Pakistan. It doesn't matter where you are because the hour is coming and now is when God is looking for the true worshipers. And it doesn't come down to where you are geographically, but the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. For God seeketh such to worship him. That tells me God is seeking some true worshipers. And true worshipers are hard to find because when you're looking for something, you're looking for something and seeking for something that's not easily accessible. But thank God here at Abundant Life Family Church, I believe we've got a house full of true worshipers that love Jesus. Woo! The Lord seeketh such to worship him. And then Jesus made a phenomenal, a phenomenal statement. He said, they that worship him. He said, God is a, what? Spirit. spirit. Or he is spirit. He is a spirit being. And they that worship him, he used the word here, must. M-U-S-T. In other words, he's saying there's only one way to truly worship God that those who are true worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the only right way. In spirit and in truth. The Pharisees were, were worshiping Him with their mouth. They were mouthing a lot of stuff. But that wasn't nothing in their heart. It was all empty. Jesus said that true worship has got to be uh, from your heart or your spirit. It has to be in spirit, in spirit. What does he mean by that? Well, there's actually two different things I believe that the Lord refers to here is when he's talking about in spirit and in truth. In spirit means, number one, with your spirit, with your inner man, in your spirit man or in your innermost being. So worship, true worship, has got to come not from your head and not from your lips. Come on, somebody. But true worship has to come from your heart, from your innermost being, from deep down on the inside of you. That's, that's the place. It's, 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 it's in the Spirit. It's with the Spirit. That's who the true worshipers of God are. Amen? That worship in spirit and in truth. So it refers to the spirit of man or the heart of man is where your true worship comes from. But also, secondly, it refers to not only are you worshiping from your spirit, but you're also worshiping in the Spirit, referring to the Spirit of God or to the Holy Spirit. Now let me just say something this morning. I believe that 
I believe this to be, the, be a fact and I believe that's what Jesus was saying here in this passage. That it is the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for believers to truly worship God. It is the infilling of the Spirit. It is the baptism in the Holy Spirit that makes worship more real in your life. Amen. Amen. Can people, you know, people that are born again but don't have the Holy Spirit, they can worship God. But I think you all know if you've been, ever been to a denominational church and then you come here where the Holy Ghost is, is moving and working, there's a difference in Holy Ghost worship than there is in just plain old denominational getting together at church and calling it worship. Glory, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Preach, Brother Rick. I've been to some of them. We went to... Oh, help me, Jesus. You know, people will go into a particular church and there's a bowl of water there and they have to sprinkle their self. Ritual. We went to a wedding when our son was a little, Gabe was a little, and he had never been in this particular kind of church before. And we walked in the front, and there was that basin with water, holy water. Gabe never saw it before. He thought that's where you washed your hands before you went into the sanctuary. So he's there just washing his hands away. Amen. But I've been in some of those, you know, where, where it's all, you know, a form. It's a ritual. Are you following me? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, there's, whether it's a, whether it's a uh, and I'm not knocking. Please don't, don't take this wrong. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a Methodist or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a Lutheran or a dead Pentecostals. Come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, or Episcopalian or whatever denominational uh, tag or name you want to put on it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the differences or whether it's Nazarene here. Jim and Charlotte came out of the Nazarene church and, and, and it doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm sure they could testify and tell you today that there is difference and we're not knocking them. But there's a difference in the worship they experience there and the worship they experience here now that they have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit because true worship has to be from the Spirit and by the Spirit and it's just a fact that when we worship God, the worship listen, the Holy Ghost will always lead us into the true worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The anointing will be present. The power of God will be present when there is Holy Ghost anointed worship. And that's what the Lord spoke to us this morning in the prophecy that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. And this morning, what we've experienced here this morning is not vain worship. It's not empty worship. It's worship in our hearts, our spirits by the Holy Spirit. Oh, when that, 
when there's just a spontaneous move of God. And I love yes. to see people like this morning just yes. coming up front and worshiping. Yes, sir. That's right. Are you with me? Yes, sir. I love to see that. People just coming up with their hands lifted. Nobody calling them up. Nobody saying, come up. Nobody, nobody, no, no cheerleader up there saying, okay, now let's lift our hands. You know? Hallelujah. Let's leap for joy. Glory to God. I don't believe you need no cheerleader when the Holy Ghost is moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Let the Holy Ghost lead us into worship. But worship is so important. I'm about out of time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I could just, I got some, I got too much. When you look at the Old Testament tabernacle, let me just throw this in here. When you look at the Old Testament tabernacle, all of the furnishings, of course, were types of Christ. That tabernacle was a type of true, genuine worship. The brazen altar was a type of Calvary. You couldn't go any farther till you went to the brazen altar. I'm going to tell you, you can't go in. You, you'll never get to the Holy of Holies until you get past that brazen altar. That's where the sacrifice is made. You're not getting in that Holy of Holies if you bypass Calvary. Are, are you with me? It was where Jesus died. So that was the type of the cross. And then you had the laver, the, the, the brazen laver that was filled with water where the priests would wash their hands and feet, which is a type of Christ, our cleansing, our sanctifier. But then you could go into the holy place. And it was in that holy place that there were three items of furniture there. There was the table of showbread over here where the showbread was placed, those loaves of bread that were placed there fresh. And uh, then there, that which was a type of Christ, the bread of life. Then there was the altar of incense, which was a type of Christ, our intercessor. And then there was the golden lampstand or the menorah, the seven, the seven uh, golden candlestick of seven branches that came, that was there. That represented Christ, the light of the world. But there's something else about that, about that lampstand. Jesus said in Revelation that that golden lampstand also represented his churches. Didn't he say that? He said when John saw that vision on the Isle of Patmos, he saw Jesus and he was standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks or seven golden lampstands. And he had seven stars in his right hand. And John said, what is that? And Jesus said, I will tell you the mystery of the seven stars and the, se and the golden candlestick. He said, first of all, the seven stars that are in my right hand are the seven pastors of those seven churches. Every time I read that, I just want to shout because I'm glad to know that Jesus has got his pastors in his right hand taking care of them. You better watch. I'm not saying it's just to protect myself. I can take it. I can take anything anybody can dish out. Are you hearing me? Because I got the Holy Ghost today. But I can tell you one thing. People better be careful about touching God's pastors because Jesus has got them in his right hand. Then... He said the seven golden candlesticks or the menorah, the lampstand, are the seven churches. Seven being the number of perfection, which represents the entire church age. So he gives the example, Jesus does, of that candlestick also representing the church, whom Jesus says we are the light of the world today. 
But there's something about that candlestick. There's something about that lampstand. It was gold. It was beautiful. We could, we could elaborate on all that. But the most important thing about that lampstand was this, is that it had to be filled with oil every morning and every evening. I don't think anybody's hearing what I'm saying today. Amen. The priests were given, the priests were given that responsibility that at nine o'clock every morning the priest was to go in there, trim the wicks on the lampstand, and replenish the oil in the lamp. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, at the time of the evening sacrifice, the priest was to go back in, trim the wicks, and replenish that that menorah, that lampstand with oil. How many of y'all know what oil is a type of? Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And so as the lampstand being a type of the church, he's saying to us that if our worship is to be, our light is to shine, if our worship is to be what it's supposed to be, if we're to illuminate Christ the way that we're supposed to illuminate him, then we have got to make sure that we are replenished with the oil of the Holy Spirit. The church has got to be full of the Holy Spirit. We can't lose the oil. Listen to me, church. There are so many churches that the lamp has gone out. The oil is burned away. They're not replenishing it. My Lord, help us here at Abundant Life Family Church every Sunday, every Wednesday to replenish the oil of the lamp of the Holy Spirit. Woo! We cannot worship him as we need to without the oil of the Spirit. Spirit and in truth. Can I close with this? I could preach all afternoon. Maybe one of these days. One of these days we'll cancel Sunday night and we'll just go all afternoon. I done scared a bunch of folks. But he said the true worshipers worship in spirit, but also in truth. That's right. True worship is in truth. What is he talking about? Worship, true worship, will always be according to the Word of God and will always be in the biblical order that is laid out in the Word of God. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I'm planning on coming and seeing you soon. But he said, if I'm delayed, he said, I'm writing these things to you now so that you will know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, in the church of the living God. So there's right behavior and there's wrong behavior when it comes to worship. And God knows that over the past few decades, we in the Pentecostal movement have saw some things take place that was not of the Spirit or in the truth. Are you listening? Listen, any manifestations, and there's, see, Pentecost, Pentecost has gotten a bad rap in the world. And the reason being is because some people see some manifestations that are not biblical or scriptural taking place in a, quote, 
charismatic Pentecostal church or environment, and they, they want to lump all Pentecostals into that one sack and say they're all crazy. They're all of the devil. They're all demonic. And that's not true because there are things sometimes that go on in Pentecostal churches that are not, that are not based on, on the biblical order of things. Amen? That's why Paul had to write to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 to give them the proper scriptural order of how the gifts of the Spirit should operate within the church because there's that tendency we all have to get in self or to get in the flesh. Or, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And that's what was happening in Corinth. Everybody was just praying in tongues all the time and there wasn't time for the preacher, for Paul to preach or for them to do anything else. And so Paul had to lay down some ground rules. And there's been stuff that's happened. There's been stuff that's happened in Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches and in the charismatic movement over the years that has got way out of hand. Is anybody here? I mean, they've had, there have been people in some of those services some years back. I don't know if they do it anymore or not, but they're getting crawling around on the floor, barking like dogs, roaring like lions. Are you listening? And they're saying that's the Holy Ghost. Listen, I'm kind of like Brother Donnie Swagger said. You start crawling around in here barking like a dog, I'm going to tie you up outside and give you some kibbles and bits. <laughs> Amen? That's not a manifestation. You can't find nowhere in the Bible where the Holy Spirit moved on somebody. You know, in one, one particular church, they had a, a dog collar on a guy and a leash on him, and he's crawling around on all fours, and one guy leading him, and they're singing, where he leads me, I will follow. Let me tell you, that's nonsense. That's stupidity. That is not the Holy Ghost. That is not true worship. Are you listening to me? It's not in truth. It's not even in spirit. It's nonsense. I guess I'm kind of letting you know we won't have that around here. Amen? We're not seeking manifestations. We're not seeking angelic visitations. We're not seeking for the seats to be covered with gold dust and angel feathers. I know y'all making funny faces, but there's churches that's doing that and they're making a big deal out of it and they're drawing multitudes of people in because God's leaving gold dust and God's leaving angel feathers, amen? I don't know where they're getting these feathers, probably off of somebody's, I don't know, hat and planting them in the church and saying an angel was there and an angel left some feathers. That's not worship in truth. There's a true biblical order of worship. Amen? So anything... What time? I gotta, I gotta close. Anything that is not... Let me back up. Any manifestation that is not backed up by the Scripture, by the truth, is a wrong manifestation. Doesn't mean necessarily it's a demon, but it could be just the flesh. And we've got to work on keeping the flesh under, amen, and just letting the Holy Spirit have His way 
in our lives. Are you with me? Let me close this out. Worship will always be according to the biblical order. Amen. We fail to worship in truth when there are excesses and unbiblical things that take place within the church. And go under the guise of worship. It is vain worship. It's got to be from our spirit that is moved upon by the Holy Spirit and in the truth of the Word of God or it's not accepted by the Father. If it's not based in the cross of Calvary and Jesus' finished work, the worship cannot be accepted by the Father. That's the only way that we can truly, we must worship Him. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But worship in truth in the local church includes a few things. Worship team, make your way back. This could, this, this could be a sermon here in itself, but I'm just going to throw it out here to you. You can jot these down, and uh, I'll preach on them some other time. But worship in truth in a local assembly, in a full gospel Pentecostal church, will include, number one, spirit-anointed, spirit-filled singing. Amen? Yes, sir. Amen? Paul said, be not drunk with wine, where is it excess, be filled with the Spirit, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making a joyful noise unto the Lord and singing. Singing is a part of, uh, of our worship. Songs, psalms, singing the word, hymns, the old standards of the church, and spiritual songs, the new singing, that, the new worship songs as well. But it'll, be, it'll have spirit-filled singing, but a church uh, also worshiping in truth will have, will include the lifting up of holy hands. Over and over in the Bible, it teaches us to lift up holy hands. And I'll tell you what, I had a hard time doing that when I first came, when I first got saved until after. Here would be my, I'd try to get it up. It just wouldn't feel right. I was having a hard time getting it. Boy, but after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't have no trouble at all getting those hands lifted up. Amen. But the Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord and bless the Lord. He said, let my prayer be as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Paul told Timothy that he would have men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Clapping of the hands is also also a, a form of worship. The Bible says that in Psalm 47 and 1, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Now, it's not the same as what the world does when they clap their hands because we're not applauding anybody. We're not honoring the flesh. We're, we're, in, we're in a place here to worship and honor God. There can be clapping of the hands because of exuberant joy, and we're expressing that joy that we have, that God has filled our soul with joy. And you know people will do that when they get so happy that they can't help it. Amen? But praise God. That, that's also a part of our worship. But there's a time to clap and there's a time not to clap. There's a time to shout and there's a time not to shout. There's a time to be loud and there's a time to listen. Are you with me? Amen? But clapping of the hands is included. But also dancing in the Spirit. Dancing before the Lord is also included as well. The Bible says that we're to worship Him in the dance. Loud shouting is 
is also a part of our worship in the appropriate place, in the appropriate time. He said, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Amen. That's a part of spirit-filled worship. We don't, we don't, we're, and everybody can't be shouting while the preacher's preaching. Or you gotta listen to what the preacher's got to say. But there's a time when we shout because we know God has given us the victory in our life. That is a part of our worship. But prostration before the Lord, being slain, they says they say in the spirit, is also a part of Pentecostal worship. As long as it is the spirit and not just somebody acting like they're falling out. Come on. We don't ever want to put a suggestion in somebody's mind. We don't ever want to try to manipulate somebody to fall. But there can be times and there are times when the power of the Lord is so strong upon an individual and it's biblical and it's in the Word of God where they fall before the Lord and prostrate themselves before God because of the power of God that is upon them. There are biblical ways, there are biblical things that we can do to worship the Lord. Let me close with this. Psalm 150. Woo, hallelujah. You ready to sing and praise the Lord? Amen. Just hang on. All the restaurants are going, tables are going to be empty here in a minute. You can just walk right in and sit down. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and the dance. Hallelujah. It's okay to dance a little bit and dance before the Lord with all of your heart. Praise Him in the dance. Hallelujah. Praise Him with the stringed instruments, Brother Buddy and Brother Terry. Praise Him with the organ. Hallelujah. Praise Him upon the loud sounding cymbals. Come on, somebody. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. 